Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 so what happened after antiochus epiphanes committed these atrocities against the jewish people well we actually get an idea here as daniel's vision continues in verse 13 through 14 daniel says then i heard a holy one speaking Another holy one said to the one who was speaking, to what period of time does the vision pertain? This vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the destructive act of rebellion and the giving over of both the sanctuary and army to be trampled. Verse 14, he said to me, to 2300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be put right again. So what is this prophecy about 2300 evenings and mornings or 2300 days about? Well, if you calculate it, it's about six and a third years. Antiochus desecrated the temple and severely persecuted the Jewish people from about September 171 BC up to December 164 BC. After the Maccabean revolt, which was led by Judah Maccabeus, they drove out the Syrian Greeks, they drove out Antiochus Epiphanes army from Jerusalem, and once Antiochus Epiphanes died in about 164 BC, we see that the Jewish people did, in fact, repurify and reconstitute sacrifices at the temple, just as Daniel prophesied here. This event is actually now celebrated today as Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a celebration when the Jews liberated themselves from the tyranny, the oppression, the persecution of Antiochus Epiphanes. Verse 15 through 19 continues on. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision, I sought to understand it. Now one who appeared to be a man was standing before me, and then I heard a human voice coming from between the banks of the Ulai. It called out, Gabriel, enable this person to understand the vision. Verse 17, so he approached the place where I was standing As he came, I felt terrified and fell flat on the ground. And then he said to me, Understand, son of man, that the vision pertains to the time of the end. As he spoke with me, I fell into a trance with my face to the ground, but he touched me and stood me upright. Verse 19, then he said, I am going to inform you about what will happen in the latter time of wrath, for the vision pertains to the appointed time of the end. So Daniel is still in this vision, and he hears someone calling out to the angel Gabriel to give Daniel the interpretation. Now, many people think that there are only three angels named within Scripture. Many people also think that there's only three, or that there are three archangels mentioned within Scripture. We're going to actually unpack this a little bit and clear up both of those things. There are actually 
four angels that are named throughout the Bible. Throughout the 66 books, 31,000 verses of Scripture, there's four angels that are named. The first one is Gabriel. We often see him being the messenger angel. One passage to reference is Luke chapter 1, verse 19. Scripture records him constantly giving messages or interpretations of visions like here within Daniel. Another one is Michael. Scripture records him as being the warrior angel. Every time we see him being recorded in Scripture, he's often in conflict or in battle going to war. A passage to reference is Revelation 12, 7 through 8 and Jude 1, 9. And Michael in the Bible is the only one that's recorded as an archangel. No other angel within Scripture is recorded as an archangel except for him. Lucifer who we all know was once an angel as well, was once seemed to be in a high position of heaven, who is now what we would call the chief of demons. An important passage to reference with regard to him is Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 15, where we see the five I wills of Satan, where Satan says, I will do this, I will do that, I will rise above the stars of God, and then his final phrase is, I will be like the most high God. And you can just picture it when you put all the biblical data together about Satan. We know that he was created at least before day three of creation because Job says that the angels of God sang for joy when God laid the foundations of the world. He was created before day three of creation. Genesis 3, he's already fallen, and we see that he is now tempting mankind. How did he fall? Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, these five I wills. And then what does Jesus say? I saw Satan fall like lightning. You can imagine that after these five I wills, his arrogance, his pride, that Jesus sees him just being shot down from heaven to the ground, and he takes on this physical form of a serpent, and then you fast forward, he is devastating lives left and right. And I'm sure that you've experienced that. Satan and his demons influencing and tempting and destroying, lying, stealing, killing, cheating everywhere that they go. And yet, he is the ultimate antichrist. He is the ultimate against God. And again, what are we called to do? Not just flop over and allow him to walk all over us. That's not the answer. The answer is once again to put on the armor of God, Ephesians 6, take up the sword of the spirit, our weapon, take up prayer, take up fasting, and go to war. And gain ground that the enemy has taken. We also see that there's this fourth one that maybe we're not familiar with. This fourth angel who actually became a demon, his name is Abaddon in Hebrew and Apollyon in Greek. He's recorded in Revelation as a leader of demons in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. And so, these are the four angels named in Scripture. Verse 23 through 27, towards the end of our text. Verse 23 continues on. Toward the end of their rule, when rebellious acts are complete, a rash and deceitful king will arise. His power will be great, but it will not be by his strength alone. He will cause terrible destruction. He will be successful in what he undertakes. He will destroy powerful people and the people of the holy ones. By his treachery, he will succeed through deceit. 
He will have an arrogant attitude, and he will destroy many who are unaware of his schemes. He will rise up against the prince of princes, yet he will be broken apart, but not by human agency. The vision of the evenings and mornings that was told to you is correct, but you should seal up the vision, for it refers to a time many days from now. Verse 27, I, Daniel, was exhausted and sick for days. Then I got up and carried out the king's business, but I was astonished at the vision, and there was no one to explain it. Now, no one knows exactly how the Antichrist or where the Antichrist is going to come from. We have some indicators within Scripture that are good indicators, that are detailed with regard to biblical prophecy, but we don't know exactly. We do know that he's going to rise up out of ten nations. We do know that in the book of Revelation, there is by this time one world government, one world economy, and then in the middle of the seven-year tribulation, there's going to be a one world religion. And why do I say in the middle of the tribulation? Because in the middle of the tribulation, we know that he's going to set up the ultimate abomination, which brings desolation, where he establishes himself to be God, and it's basically a convert or die type of evangelism. Either you submit yourself to the Antichrist or you become a head shorter. And we see that many people are going to get saved in the tribulation period, but they're going to suffer for it. I have my own speculations with regard to this, and I'm sure that you have your own. But I want to share with you something from my experience that I think you might find interesting. When I spent my three months in living in Israel, in Jerusalem, I had done a tour of, with some Jewish scholars in the Jerusalem quarter of Jerusalem because Jerusalem is quartered in four different ways. There's the Christian quarter, the Armenian quarter, the uh, Jewish quarter, and the Muslim quarter. In the Jewish quarter, there is uh, a place where they have all of the third temple artifacts. How many of you guys know that in the future, there's going to be a third temple that is established? And at this third temple, there's going to be sacrifices. And we know this from Daniel. We know this from Revelation. We know this from Zechariah 12 through 14. We know that there will be a third temple. There will be sacrifices in the future of here on July 11, 2021. In the future, there will be a third temple on the Temple Mount in Israel. Obviously, it's not there yet. Right now, it's occupied by the Muslims. There's the Dome of the Rock, which is not a mosque. It's more of a shrine. And then to the south is the Alaska Mosque. And during my time there, I did this tour with these Jewish scholars and got to see all of the artifacts that are going to go into this third temple. I got to see the altar that they cut with an air cutter because in a Jewish mindset, metal represents war. So they did not want to use metal when cutting out the altar, which is something to be used as a sacred thing at the temple. Does that make sense? So the Israelis developed this air cutter, and they cut out this altar. I had the opportunity to see that. Had the opportunity to see the robes that the priests are going to wear, the article of showbread, the laver where they'll wash, and all of these different things. And I want to share with you something that's funny. How many of you guys know that in the Old Testament, whenever the tabernacle or the temple was there, that no one could go into the Holy of Holies and see the Ark of the Covenant. You guys are familiar with that a little bit, right? Because that's a holy place. If you go in there, you die because of the holiness of God, right? And I remember getting towards the end of this tour, and as they were walking me through, there was this big curtain. And they said, oh, and this is where 
there's going to be a type of the, the Ark of the Covenant. It's a kind of a facsimile. And I knew it was fake. I knew that the real Ark of the Covenant wasn't there. I knew that that curtain was not the biblical curtain we see in Scripture. And yet, as we were walking towards and as they were going towards the rope, my heart was beating. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Like, this is it. And they opened the curtain. Sure enough, there was a facsimile of the Ark. And it was powerful. One of the questions I had asked them was this, because, you know, we know, as Christians, we know our Bible. We've read the end of the book. We know who wins, right? Jesus. <laughs> Sunday school answer, right? Jesus wins. And I had asked the question, because we know that there's going to be a third temple. I asked the question, if you were given permission today to build a temple and to start sacrifices, how long would it take for you to go from getting the green light to having your first sacrifice. And they thought about it, they talked, and they thought about it, and they said about six months. They have everything that they need. They are ready to go. What the Bible says is true. If God said it, that settles it. The Jewish people today are ready to build this third temple. And these are all indicators. These are all leading up to the ultimate Antichrist to come. It's leading up to the tribulation period. It's leading up to the events that we see unfolding and going back to if God has been 100% faithful in the past, he will be 100% faithful in the future. Now, how is this going to go down with regard to the Antichrist as we see here in Daniel chapter 8? Well, personally, you may have your own views and I'd love to talk about it. Personally, I think that the Antichrist in the future may actually come from either Jewish descent or affiliation or just be really good with the Jewish people. We do know that he's going to create a treaty. This is going to kind of kick off the seven-year tribulation period. And so I personally think that as he's rising up in power, we know that he's going to speak very well. He's going to persuade lots of people. As he rises out of these ten nations, he's going to put himself as the prominent one. And I personally think that this is what's going to happen. Right now, there's the Dome of the Rock sitting on the Temple Mount, right? We all know that. You can look on Google Images and see it on your phone. I personally think that the Antichrist is going to strike a deal. He's going to strike a deal with the Jews and with the Muslims because if you look at the dimensions of the temple, you see that the dimensions of the temple actually can fit on the northern side of the Dome of the, Dome of the Rock. And I've, I've been there. I spent lots of time at the temple uh, talking with Muslims. I had an interpreter named Farid, who was a really tall Arabic guy, played basketball in the States. And, and so as you walk through the Temple Mount, there is enough room, according to the dimensions, for a third temple to be built on the northern side of the, of the Dome of the Rock. And I personally think that the Antichrist is going to strike a deal with both parties, and they're going to say, you can have this side, you can have that side, play nice. And then he's going to rock their world. But all in all, we don't know exactly how these events are going to go down, but we do know that they are going to go down. And we need to be ready. And we need to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and helping other people to be ready as well. So today, we talked about Daniel having a vision. The ram representing the Medo-Persian Empire, the goat representing the Greek Empire, the small horn representing Antiochus Epiphanes, an angel helping Daniel, which we now know as Gabriel, the king of fierce countenance who represents the Antichrist, and we kind of unpacked him a little bit. 
So how do we respond to what we've seen in God's word this morning? And I want to share with you something that we should always be asking that question. How do I respond to this? Can I give you a really simple way to read your Bible? Really simple way. Ask three questions every time you open up your Bible. What do I learn about God? What do I learn about myself? And what am I supposed to do? What do I learn about God? What do I learn about myself? And what am I supposed to do? So every time we open up scripture, every time we come together as a church family, every time we do this, there is no joke. In fact, it is an understatement to say that this is a transformational opportunity, that God wants to do something in your heart. Yes, I know that today's passage in Daniel 8 may have been a lot of numbers and dates and people, and you're thinking, my goodness, I didn't come to be in a history class, and your eyes might be glazing over, or you might be a nerd like me, and you're like, I love this. I love learning all of these dates and histories and people and so on and so forth and seeing God work through history because how many guys know history is simply his story and he's working through all of it. Hopefully you're a nerd like me and you're enjoying this. But how do you respond to this? How do you respond? As it should drive us to live biblically today. And I want to read a passage with you guys. It's out of Ephesians chapter verse 15 through 17. And this hopefully takes the information and turns it into transformation. It takes the knowledge and puts it into application. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17, Paul is speaking to the Ephesian church, and he's speaking to us. God is speaking to us through this. Verse 15 through 17, therefore consider carefully how you live. And honestly, we could stop right there. Please, family, consider carefully how you live, not just spiritually, but also physically, eating and sleeping, what you put into your body, mentally, what you put into your mind, emotionally, how you allow your emotions to be affected by circumstance and people. Please, family, consider carefully how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, taking advantage of every opportunity because the days are evil. For this reason, do not be foolish, but be wise by understanding what the Lord's will is. I beg to God that you have come into this place desiring what is the will of the Lord for my life. Yes, what is his general will? What is generally applicable to all of us as God's people? But specifically, God, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to say to me in my circumstance? Now, we know how history ends. We've read the end of the book. We know that Jesus wins. And it's not about, is Jesus on our side? Who cares about that? I don't want Jesus to be on my side. I want to be on his side. He's got the winning team. He's got all the rules. He knows what it's all about. Not us. He kind of created the whole thing, right? I think he knows best. The reality of future prophecy being fulfilled should drive us to holiness today. It should drive us to pursue him today. There is no time to waste. We need to be about our father's business. Please, family, consider carefully how you live. The king is coming. The king is coming. And what will he find you doing? I know that God's speaking to you right now because, one, he loves you. He cares for you and he knows what's best for you. Just like a good parent, a good father 
knows what's best for their children. God is our Heavenly Father. He knows what's best for us. There are some of you in this room who have come in this morning and you need to just straight up repent. And you know exactly what it is God has been telling you loud and clear since the moment you walked in here, since the moment we opened up God's word, maybe even before that in worship, maybe even before that on the way over here. I know that God's been speaking to you about something. And if it's to repent and deepen in holiness, then please, the king is coming. What will he find you doing? For some of you, it might be simply that you need comfort and strength. And you know what? God is the God of all comfort. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3-4, through 4, he talks about how with the comfort that he wants to comfort you with, he wants to comfort you so that way you can comfort other people. Yes, I know that what you're going through right now, I'm sure, is tough. And it is beyond you. And you know what? In some cases, yes, it is beyond you. There is a lie that goes throughout Christianity that says God will not give you more than you can handle. Friends, that's a lie. If your prayer is honestly, make me like Jesus, God will always give you more than you can handle. So that way you don't depend on yourself. And you are forced to depend on the Lord. And if you don't, you will break and crumble. So you need to throw yourself into the arms of Jesus. Some people like to say that the gospel is a crutch that we use to just help us along the way of life. The gospel is not a crutch. It is a full-on stretcher. Because without Jesus, I am nothing. I need Jesus to carry me through all of it. Just like God worked in history, and God was carrying his people through the tragedies of time, right now, July 11, 21st century, God wants to carry you also through the things that you are going through. And now, for some, you need to just repent. And I pray that you get right with the Lord this morning. He loves you. There's no judgment. There's no guilt or shame. God says, come as you are. But you know what? He loves you enough to not keep you as you are. We talked about how God is working throughout history. And he comforted those in history and wants to comfort you today. But you know what? You might be in a place where you're maybe not in a, you know, there's tremendous amount of sin you need to repent from that's super blaring in your mind. Or you need to be comforted particularly. But maybe God is saying, hey, I'm trying to kick you out there to go serve and to be stretched. I'm trying to put you into the game. I'm trying to tell you to put on the armor, put on the pads, get on the field, and do what I've called you to do. Run your race. Run that play. Run that ball. Do what you've got to do. And for some of you, God's been pulling on your heart, say, take a step of faith, right? The song that we sang, Oceans, right? Take me deeper. Take me farther where my feet won't fail, Maybe God's calling you to take steps of faith this morning as well. The best time to do the right thing is right now. Let's pray. Let's get right with the Lord. Let's allow him to comfort us. And let's take steps of faith. Because there's no time to waste. God was faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. The king is coming. And what will he find us doing? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you for your word that you challenge us on every book, on every page, in every sentence. And Lord, through every word, you want to use it as a scalpel to our hearts and to perform heart surgery on me, on us. And God, I pray that right now that your spirit would just flood this place. God, I pray for my family here that you would overflow them with your spirit. You would overflow them with power, overflow them with your strength and with comfort that they would get right 
right with you. They would allow you to comfort them, that they would take steps of faith, and that we specifically, as Christ Community Church, we would just move in power, unashamed, proclaiming the gospel, taking steps of faith, being risk takers in the name of Jesus, praying big prayers, doing big things because you are a big God. And even deeper than that, being faithful because you are a faithful God. Being loving because you're a loving God. Being merciful because you're a merciful God. Being giving because you are a giving God. And no matter what happens today, because today is what you've given to us. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow might not even come. Lord, every day is a gift. This life will pass and only what we've done for Christ will last. And so, God, I ask that you would help us to invest into eternity. I pray that you'd bless my family, go above and beyond in their lives. And right now, as we close in worship, would you just impact them? And I pray these things in the name and for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977